Take your Bibles, if you would, turn. Uh, well, I'm going to begin reading in just a moment in Matthew chapter 6, so if you want to turn there. And then the text that we're going to be preaching from is found in 1 Corinthians 16. Matthew 6 and then 1 Corinthians 16. As I mentioned a moment ago, I want to speak to you this morning about financial faithfulness. And uh, I hope as I go along that uh, some of you hear some things that you felt like are familiar. I have preached this passage before and uh, even fairly recently, but I feel like uh, this is something that we need to hear often, just to be reminded. Uh, I believe, uh, even as we have sung this morning, that one of the primary hindrances in the lives of most people to financial faithfulness is fear, uh, anxiety, uh, this idea that if I give in obedience to God's Word, somehow there won't be enough uh, to meet the other needs in my life. And, and let me just say that, that that's foolishness. Uh, it's faithlessness. Uh, when, I, when I use the word fear the way I've used it this morning, I'm not talking about the reverential fear that we have for the Lord, uh, but I'm talking about uh, a word that the Bible often translates as anxiety. Uh, again, this, this, this fear, this uh, afraidness. Uh, and uh, again, fear should not characterize the life of a believer. I mean, that's what we've sung all morning. Uh, the Lord is faithful. That's, that's what enables us to be faithful, right? And to be faithful without being anxious about it, without being fearful, because we know that God is faithful. He will take care of us, his own. Uh, but people have always been somewhat apprehensive uh, about being obedient to the word of God. You know, God calls us to, to a radical obedience, and I think sometimes the reason we use that word radical obedience is because so much of what we are called to in the Old, Test or in the Old Testament and the New Testament are, are things that are contrary to our human nature. Uh, it just doesn't feel right to us when we first hear it or even when we may first attempt it. I'm reading a book right now entitled Forgive. Uh, by Timothy Keller. Uh, and let me tell you, as I read about forgiveness and what the Bible has to say about forgiveness, one of the things that I've been reminded of over and over is that this isn't what comes to us in the moment. Uh, our, our human nature wants to lash out. Uh, we want to take vengeance upon those who have hurt us, who have offended us, uh, not forgive them. Uh, and, and the same thing is true, I believe, with this issue of financial Faithfulness. It just doesn't always seem to feel right, uh, what God says about our giving. And, and so Jesus confronts, I believe, the fears, the anxiety of the people of his day. And I want to read his words to you. And of course, these words pertain uh, to our, not only our giving, but just to the way we should handle money in general. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so this whole issue of financial faithfulness as really every other spiritual issue is a is an issue of the heart 
And when we are not financially faithful, it is an indication that our hearts are not right. And church, that applies to all of us. Our hearts are to be right with the Lord. So this is what Jesus says as he confronts the fear of the people of his day. He says, therefore, I I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be fearful about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he gives us this wonderful illustration. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says this, are you not of more value than they? God feeds the birds of the air. Are you not more valuable to him than they? And then he asks this question, which of you by being anxious, by being fearful, in other words, which of you by being fearful can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Anxiousness about food, clothing. Is an indication of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, he says, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles? In other words, those who have no interest in the things of God, those who live life on their, their own terms without faith in a sovereign, loving, heavenly Father. The Gentiles seek after all these things. and Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When you are faithful, God in turn is faithful. Matter of fact, the reality is even when you are not faithful, God is faithful. And that should prompt us to personal faithfulness. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is where the the message will come from. This morning, just one verse, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And let me just say this. I know that the context of this verse is the setting of an offering uh, uh, that was being taken for the church in Jerusalem. Paul is, is, is taking an offering from, from a number of churches, and ultimately the offering will be sent to meet the needs of the poor church, the church in Jerusalem. Um, But I think that in this verse we find some fundamentals uh, that will help us if we will will allow them to uh, in our financial faithfulness. And so the scripture simply says, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll look at some principles that we find in this one verse. Father, we are thankful today for your generosity. Thankful, Father, that you were willing to give us your own son. Why in the world, in light of that great gift, the gift of our salvation, would we think for a moment that you will not provide us with the basic necessities of life? Father, I pray that each one of us 
who is so blessed. Lord, we, we are so blessed. I pray that our lives would reflect a generosity that far exceeds the generosity that we see in the world. Lord, your people, the church, should excel, as you tell us, in this grace of giving. Lord, this should be something that we are not only faithful to do, that we're not only sufficient in, but Lord, that, that we, should, we should excel in, we, we should be excellent at. Lord, this should be something that, that, that sets us apart in the world, a, a generosity, Father, that is not commonly found. So help us to be that kind of faithful, generous, giving people. Lord, to, to love you, to love our neighbor as ourself, uh, again, and to see our giving uh, as a reflection of that love. Uh, and Father, we'll be careful to give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The first thing that we see here is that new covenant giving, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that we are a new covenant community. And as such, there are certain responsibilities, certain expectations uh, that we should have for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, the first, I believe, is what we talked about last week, persistent participation. As Christians, we should come to church. We should gather regularly to worship. That's what we're doing here this morning. That's what Sunday morning is all about. It's the Lord's Day. It's the day that He rose from the dead. And it's the, days that, the day that Christians have celebrated as Resurrection Day and, and the day of worship since uh, for 2,000 years now, Christians have gathered on, on Sunday mornings to honor the Lord, to encourage one another, to be encouraged, to learn, to, to grow in our understanding of, of God's Word, who He is, who we are in Christ, what it is that He expects from us. And I believe that one of the basic things that He expects from us, one of the fundamental things is this, this whole idea of financial faithfulness. You know, over the years... Uh, of my ministry here at Calvary Hill, we've, we've seen days of great abundance, uh, and we've seen days uh, uh, that not so abundant. Uh, God has always met our needs, uh, but one of the questions that has been raised over the years when we talk about giving and why people, uh, some people give and others don't, I remember one time a, a gentleman in our church asked me, he said, Brother James, do you think it's possible that people simply don't know that this is what they're supposed to do? possible. I looked at him that day, though, and I said, well, you know, I, I, I preach on giving. Uh, uh, again, this message on giving is a, is a message, one of the rare messages that I have repeated over the years because I think it is so uh, important. One of the things that we do, almost without exception, is we pass offering plates on Sunday morning. I said, it's really hard for me to believe that somehow somebody could claim ignorance, that they simply don't know that they're supposed to give. I, I even said, what in the world do they think that we're passing the plate for? I mean, surely we, we know that the plates are being passed. We put a, a box out there in the foyer. If you choose to put your offering there, we now give you the opportunity of giving online. Uh, there are multiple ways that you can give. Uh, surely people know that they should give. So I don't really for a moment think that the reason that people don't give in accordance with God's word is because they don't know. Uh, one of the things we say regularly uh, in the office is this. People do what they want to. 
And I believe that the people who just refuse to give financially, to be faithful in that regard, do so because that's just what they want to do. They choose not to give. They choose to spend their money on things that they consider to be more important than giving to the church. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, here's how you take an offering. Here's how you give. Uh, it should be a planned thing, all right? New covenant giving should be planned. I, I think sometimes when we use that word planned, it, it immediately takes us to this place where we think, well, that's not spiritual. You know, spiritual giving should be spontaneous, free. We use the word free today. We should give in freedom, and, and, and that's true. But let me tell you, if you're going to give in accordance with Scripture, you better sit down and do some planning. On the first day of the week, Paul says, again, the Lord's Day, Sunday, giving to the church should occur regularly. Now, again, I'm not going to stand up here and advocate that you must give weekly, all right? Many of you do. Uh, others don't. I, I don't know how your income works. Some of you maybe get a weekly paycheck. Others get a monthly paycheck or twice a month. I, I don't know how it works with you. And, and all I'm advocating here really is for regularity, consistency in giving. That's, what, that's what, what Paul is saying. In other words, if you want to be faithful in your giving, then you've got to set something aside. Do it each week. Make plans We don't simply give when the spirit of generosity hits us. Now, by the way, if the spirit of generosity hits you this morning, you feel free to just jump right up, all right? You can, you, you know, in the, in the New Testament, so often what we read is that the people would bring their offerings and they would lay them at the feet of the apostles. If you want to come up here this morning and just lay a big offering down here at the feet of your pastor, I'll be okay with that. But our giving should be planned. Spontaneous giving has its place. But the regular tithes and offerings of the church, I believe, are something we have to think about. All right? It requires thought. Discipline. There's a word we just don't like to use much these days. Or how about this word? Delayed gratification. Boy, we don't like that, do we? You know? We got a little money in our hand. What do we want to do? We want to spend it on something we want. Paul says, you need to lay a little bit aside. Don't spend it all. But you have to think about it in order to do that. Uh, really, our ability to give uh, to, to the ministry of the church, I mean, I, I've said it over the years, mostly as I've prayed, that we have the opportunity to invest in something eternal. When we hear about 22 men giving their heart and life to Christ, when we hear about souls being saved in the Czech Republic and in Mexico, when we see our children come to Christ and walk through the baptistry, though that, that's something that, that comes at least as, a, as an indirect result of our faithfulness to give. I mean, we know God's in control of all of that. But as we give, ministry, missions are accomplished so again, our giving, this, this act of grace is really an act of grace on God's part. Giving is not a burden or we shouldn't consider it such. It's a blessing. We get to invest in something. Again, 
as Matthew wrote, or as Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, so much of what we spend our money on just gets destroyed, right? Eaten up. Matter of fact, have you ever been in that place sometime at the end of the month and you wonder where in the world did all the money go? It just gets eaten up. It's like we, we, we don't even know. Jesus said there's a place you can invest your money where rust and moth don't destroy. It's safe. Laying up treasures in heaven. So, again, I mentioned this verse already, but in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul says that this is a grace that we should excel in. Excel in giving. Make it a point this year to excel in giving. Don't just give, in other words. Don't just, don't just do the minimum. Excel in giving. Pray that God would give you the desire and the ability to do just that. You know, I don't think it's a wrong thing to pray, and, and who knows, I may pray this at the end of the, of the service today. I want every one of you to do better financially this year than you did last year. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? If we all got big raises or promotions or who knows? Be faithful, though, with whatever God does in your life like that. So, your giving should be planned. New covenant giving is something that is planned. It is also something that is done in partnership. I think sometimes we think of our giving as something that is just individualistic. This is what I do. And I, and I understand that thinking. There, there is an aspect of your giving that is unique to you. But we do this giving in partnership with our church. Again, it's an act of worship. We come to the Lord with our tithes and offerings just like we come to sing and to pray and to worship as, again, as this act of thanksgiving, this, this gratitude, in a sense, to, to God. And we do it together. We support one another. You know, over the years, it's been amazing to me how many times people in this church have called and said, wow, I've hit a really bad spot, bad patch in the road, as you say. Could the church help? And I can recall very few times that we've said no. Uh, and that's what this is about. We give in partnership. We, we give for the sake of one another. We give for the sake of ministry. We give for the sake of missions. So Paul says here, each of you is to put something aside. In other words, each and every one of you is to put something aside. No one is exempted from this kind of giving. No one. You know, one of the greatest illustrations in Scripture of faithfulness and giving is the story of the widow's mite in the Gospels, right? She put in two tiny coins. Jesus said she's given more than anybody else because she gave all that she had. No one is exempted from giving. And, and by the way, no one is prohibited from giving. I think sometimes in this world that we live in, people think, well, you know, my offering doesn't really matter. You know, it's not going to be as big as somebody else's giving. My check won't look like somebody else's check, so I'm just not going to bother. Oh, that's wrong thinking. No one's prohibited from giving. As a matter of fact, Paul mentions the churches in Macedonia that gave to the very offering that he was collecting here in Corinth. And he talks about the fact that even though they were poor, they pleaded with him to be a part of the offering. They, they, they wanted to join in and to give what they had to be a blessing to their brothers and sisters in Christ there in Jerusalem. 
And they were poor Christians in Macedonia. Poor. I'll read a little bit about it in just a minute. No one is exempted from financial faithfulness. No one is prohibited from giving. And again, Paul says that this giving is a reflection. It it literally reveals the sincerity of our love for the Lord and for our neighbor. That's what giving does. Paul also testifies that personal circumstances should not be used as an excuse. Now, I know, again, everybody goes through rough patches in their life. And there may be periods of time when you're not able to give the way you once gave or the way you would like to give. And and God knows and he understands. and, and, And yet we should not use what we think are unique personal circumstances to, again, to excuse us from our responsibility of giving. Again, Paul said of the churches of Macedonia, this is found in 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, Let me just turn there. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 2 and 3. And, And let me just tell you a little bit about what's going on here. Macedonia had experienced years of civil war. And as a result of that, the economy of this area of the world was completely depleted. As a matter of fact, so much so that the emperor, the Roman emperor, stopped sending his tax collectors to Macedonia and he officially declared them a depleted area. Don't go collect taxes in Macedonia. Those people don't have anything to give. And this is what Paul says about those people who didn't have anything to give. 2 Corinthians 8, 2, he says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That doesn't make sense, does it? A test of affliction, a severe test of affliction, extreme poverty, and yet because of their abundance of joy, it overflowed in a wealth of generosity. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. And there it is in verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I've seen a lot of things over 35 years of ministry at this church. I don't think I've ever seen anybody beg me to let them give. Don't stop taking that, brother, that offering, Brother James, until I've had an opportunity to give. I I don't know that that's ever happened. That's what's happening here. Macedonian churches, please let us be a part of this. Later in that same passage, Paul stresses the grace of giving as a shared responsibility. A shared responsibility that is mutually beneficial, all right? We give together, we benefit together. When God entrusts me with an abundance, I'm able to help meet your needs when you need help. When I find myself in need, your abundance will then be given to to help me. That's the idea here. Mutual benefit. Everybody doing their part. Everybody blessed. Everybody encouraged. Everybody helped in their moment of need. So, plan your giving. See your giving as something that's done in partnership with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, an indication of your love, the sincerity of your love for God and for His church. And then, the whole idea of how much. How much should we give? Well, your giving should simply be proportionate to your income. All right? That means that our giving is not going to all be the same. 
Some will give little, some will give more, some will give much. But our giving is to be proportionate. Again, look what Paul says here. First day of the week, each of you put aside something. And he said, and store it up as he may prosper. Again, proportionate giving. And by the way, the words store it up, we know what that means, right? It means don't spend it. Save it. Plan your giving. Store it up. Set it aside. Save it for the offering plate. I can say that almost without exception, if you simply wait to the end of the month to give whatever's left, guess what's going to be left? Nothing. Because there are going to be things all along the way that are going to cause you to spend that money. By the end of the month... You'll be wondering where it went, and there'll be nothing left for the offering plate. So Paul says, store it up. Save it. Now, how much should we store up? And I want you to notice that no specific amount is mentioned. Only that one's giving should be determined as he may prosper. The amount that you give to the Lord is based on the amount that you have received from the Lord. And again... I don't know how much God gives you. You don't know how much God gives me. We don't know how much God gives one another. So what do we do? We simply give in proportion to his blessing. The Lord knows how much he gives you, though, doesn't he? The Lord knows when we're faithful and when we're not. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, Paul says that one's giving should be according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Uh, again, simple. You give out of what the Lord has given you. Out of what you have, you give. You're not expected to give what you don't have. So what about the tithe? I believe in the tithe. The word tithe means 10%. All right? Uh, but I don't think, again, well, I know, it's not that I don't think. I believe because of the fact that we are New Testament, New Covenant Christians, the Old Testament law doesn't apply to us. We, we give by grace. We give according to grace. We give as an act of grace. So what about the tithe? Where, where does that even come in? Well, I believe that's just a great place to start. You want a goal? You want a standard? Give 10%. And then pray that the Lord continues to bless that you can even give more than that. That's what grace giving is, I believe. Again, we give by grace, not under the law. What a wonderful thing. We should be able to, to far exceed uh, those who simply give in accordance with the law. Store it up as he may prosper. And then, finally... Paul says that our giving, new covenant giving, is purposeful. There's a reason for this. It's not simply for the act or, or the sake of obedience, although that's important, you know. You realize that being obedient to the Word of God is important, right? Yes. And so we could simply stand up here and say, well, why should I give to the church? Well, because God says, give. And we should respond in obedience, all right? That, that ought to be enough. Right there, but we also need to know that our giving serves a, a purpose. Paul says the purpose here is that there will be no collecting when I come. Uh, Paul wanted all of the collection to be taken, to be received, to be gathered up so that it could be entrusted to a, 
a carrier who would then take it to the church in Jerusalem where it would be used to, to bring great blessing to the poor Christians there. Uh, that was the purpose. And the same thing is true, you know, when we go back to that idea of giving being a regular or consistent thing. When we are faithful to give week in and week, you know, the church is a lot like home in this regard. Bills come almost every day. And every one of those bills has a due date on them. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to sit down and to pay those bills without any worry. Uh, just like it is in your own home. That's why the faithfulness of, of, of regular giving is so important. Money coming in each and every week, each and every month, so that these bills that come with that same regularity can be paid. We have repairs around here. Um, two years ago, of course, we had a major catastrophe, right, with the ice and all the water and the damage, and that took us several months to get through. Well, this last little cold spell we had, we had two... Uh, sprinkler heads, fire sprinkler heads, not, not, not the kind of sprinkler heads that water your grass, but these are the kind that put out a fire. Two of them burst in the, in the, in the freeze. Uh, well, thankfully, we had a neighbor that called us and told us there was water running down our, off our patio and into the parking lot. We got to get those things fixed. And not only do we have to replace the sprinkler heads, but in order to get to the sprinkler heads, we've got to get up into this ceiling. So I've got to have somebody come out and, and take the ceiling down so that the sprinkler head people can do it. And then I'll have to have the sprinkler head people finish so that the ceiling people can come back. And you know what? All that's going to cost money. Just like it would if it was at your house. Your regular giving serves the purpose of allowing us to carry on that kind of business weekend and week out. It serves a purpose. Again, so what this kind of financial faithfulness does, again, the purpose that it serves, is that one of the reasons that we are not always here in this pulpit asking you for money, asking you for a special offering, is because of the faithfulness of the church. We have the resources. They come in week in, week out, month after month, year after year, and we don't have to do that. And so that's one of the wonderful purposes of this kind of giving. It eliminates that need for constant, ongoing pleas to raise money to fix this, to raise money to repair that. Financial faithfulness on the part of every member of Calvary Hill also ensures that the provision of resources for our current and future ministries and missions is there. The ministries that we conduct each and every week are able to be conducted because of the faithfulness of people who give consistently, regularly, generously. So, plan your giving. Plan it. Remember that you're giving in partnership with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your giving is a proportionate thing. It's in accordance with the prosperity that God brings to you, and it meets a great need. It serves a great purpose. It allows us to operate, to minister, to serve, you know, you've all heard this saying that you can't outgive God. Well, you know what? That's true. It's a true thing. In Luke 6.38, Jesus says it this way. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back 
to you. I want God's measure back to me to be generous. So I want to be a generous giver. You and I don't have to be afraid to give in accordance with the word of God because God is faithful and God has promised to meet every need uh, and that, again, we will never be able to outgive him. I'm going to read one last verse. It's just above the passage or the verse that we looked at in 16. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Look at that last verse of that chapter. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.